Tom Gaffey. <laughs> Jim Ages. Have you ever watched professional wrestling? Ah, yes, I have. And, and uh, in this very building, as a matter of fact, from this very stage. Okay. And did you ever watch in the 80s when it sort of came into national prominence? Yeah, absolutely. Channel 2. Uh, Saturday morning, you bet. Were you of the camp that was like, all right, far out, this is great. Or were you of the camp that was like, eh, this is dumb, I'm turning it off? I was of the camp where actually a couple of my friends and I would go out afterwards and beat the heck out of each other. Really? No, is that a serious thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty ugly. Really? But but at the same time, I was also of the camp when after we'd seen a Three Stooges thing, I did get the fingers in the eye. So That's crazy. Was, yeah, when I was a teenager, we would uh, we would backyard wrestle. Uh, I never quite took it to the level that our guests here today have, who uh, now have it in the ring. But my God, like I loved it when it, as a teenager. You know, Zingao, we have quite the action-packed uh, adventure for, to, for tonight. Uh, the, it is the roar of the crowd and the smell of the back room. Holy cow. <laughs> Enter the squared circle. Tonight is the wrestling-themed episode of On Stage with Jim and Tom. Some people might remember that we used to host a promotion called Punk Slam Pro Wrestling. Absolutely. And we do have four guests tonight. Two of the people were integral to uh, bringing Punk Slam and then potentially Absolutely. the new stuff we have coming in, and yes. those are Josh Drake and Sir Samurai. Yeah. Sir Samurai uh, runs a wrestling promotion in Sacramento called SPW, Supreme Pro Wrestling. He's also a wrestler. The wrestling we've done at the Phoenix has featured SPW's wrestlers. Josh Drake is the man who brought SPW's guys to the Phoenix and organized Punk Slam. You know, and not only does Sir Sam do shows uh, wrestling in Sacramento, he takes it on the road. Absolutely. Which is why we got to have it at the Phoenix Theater, because he indeed took it on the road and brought it here for us, and that was really cool. And it was through uh, his connection with Josh Drake that we were able to have the Punk Slam events. And what a treat. We also have Drake Frost, force of nature. He is Fit Finley's favorite NorCal wrestler. We say welcome, Drake Frost. Thank you very much. And we have Scoot, one half of the Thunder League, who leave a rumble in your hearts and in your pants. Welcome, Scoot. That's correct. Thank you very much. And, of course, Josh Drake, welcome. Hello. And, Thank of you. course, Sir Samurai, welcome. Thank you. There's not a lot of room. There's a bunch of wrestlers here, and there's not a lot of room left on the table. That's how big this is. And if you don't watch your mouth, I'm going to put you through okay. this table. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm talking about. So I assume everybody here, uh, Tom, you said that you used to watch. Everybody yes. here is a, is a wrestling fan. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. I, I enjoy very wrestling. Much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So Josh and I may be working together on bringing the wrestling back to the Phoenix. We can talk about that later on. But Josh, when we were talking on the phone earlier, he uh, brought up a great prompt, and I think it's a good place to start. When was the moment you knew that you were a fan forever of wrestling? Can you think back to that moment, either watching it on television or watching it live, where you were like, wow, this is so great. And maybe it inspired you guys to be wrestlers. My biggest memory of professional wrestling uh, as a small child I was about four or five at the time watching. Um, it was WrestleMania three. It was Macho Man Randy Savage defending the Intercontinental title against uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And what stands out to you about that match? The entire match. It was, it was fantastic. The entire match. It had me hooked, really. I was watching it as a kid. Just I, the fanfare and the, the amount of passion and energy that they were both giving to the you know, entire arena, which was packed like 80,000, 90,000 people, which was a uh, record-breaking attendance at that given time. But that definitely got me hooked, and uh, I've always always been a long-time fan of Macho Man Randy Savage. Josh, you look like you got something to say. I, I was going to comment on that match, because I know a lot of people talk about like what an exciting match that was for the wrestling in the ring, the wrestling component of it, but it also featured something that's really great about wrestling, which is a lot of action with like the manager. George Animal Steel was messing around with uh, Miss Elizabeth. There was all this crazy stuff happening outside the ring as well. So you had all the energy of the crowd. You had the wrestlers going 
just bananas in the ring. But I always thought the great part of the match was how much they worked in you know, the managers and this extra storyline out there while still maintaining a match. Well, Josh, so you're a man who thinks out his positions on most everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I usually know how I sit on an issue. Uh-huh, uh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so when, um, you know, you and I sort of hang out with a similar crowd and some of them would kind of put their nose up to wrestling, I yeah, would think. Yeah, that crowd worries It, it me, happens sometimes. It does. Yeah, so it, how do you respond to that? I, like, I, how, do you ju- how do you say, like, you know what? You're wrong. Wrestling is great. This is why I love it. Well, I, I try to explain that because usually when people are annoyed with wrestling or they try to dismiss wrestling, they say, like, like, oh, it's, it's fake and stupid. And I said, well, you're kind of missing the point of it. I mean, Rambo didn't kill all those guys in the movies, but you still, you know, you know, you still enjoy the movie. I try to explain it. There's two people, you know, working together in a ring, putting on a performance. Uh, there's a lot to enjoy about that. And sometimes I have to tell them that I just, you know, I get excited when I see people like just hitting each other, you know, like <laughs> it's undeniably exciting. It's, you know, you I, know where you can really understand it, I think, because I hadn't seen it up close until you brought it here, Josh. Mm-hmm. And the first exciting moment for me was when I watched you guys build the ring because those rings are actually works of art. There are some subtleties to them that are ugh, absolutely exciting when you see how they all work, the way the ring is built, the way the ring is supposed to sound. It's incredible. Uh, then after that, uh, if you are lucky enough to get here early enough before the match, you watch the wrestlers working out and working out their moves, and you realize these guys are really dedicated and very skillful. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's exciting. It's, it's, it's watching artists preparing for, uh, I don't want to call it a show. I don't know what you'd call it, preparing for their matches. And uh, that's exciting as well. Then to go from that beginning uh, to the final product, the matches themselves. Is, well, it's an incredible afternoon and evening. I think if we have more matches at the Phoenix, it would behoove you to come and see the whole thing right from the start to finish. Watch the, the uh, uh, ring go up. Watch some of the workout beforehand and get the whole mood and, and understand the whole, the whole program. And it's incredible. It really is. It's a full piece. Well, and even if people can't see like that aspect of it, because you know, maybe, maybe people want to maintain a, a veil I over guess. some aspects of it, I think that bringing it into the community helps open people's hearts and mind to it. Because like, if you can be in the room and feel the air coming out of the ring, like when someone gets slammed on the mat... It's, it's a physical thing. Like you feel the energy coming out of there and sound is physical energy. And so you get hit by the sound as well. It just seduces you with, you know, all, like all this like physical action. And I think that then you stop thinking about like your maybe initial complaints that it's either bad acting or it's fake, which is a total non-point. Where do you come in on this, Sir um, Samurai? I've always felt that uh, if you can get people in the building and get them to watch a show, they, they won't say it's fake or it's stupid anymore. Because um, it is it is what it is. You can't really compare it to other things, but I agree with Josh's statement about Rambo. Like, nobody doesn't go see Batman because it's Christian Bale pretending to be Batman. You know what you're going to see, and you get caught up in it, and that's, that's our job as wrestlers. And I think if we do our job, then for the eight minutes we're out there, the ten minutes or, or what have you, people aren't thinking about their bills or their relationship problems. They're just watching two guys do stupid things safely in theory. It pulls you out of 
reality and it should and you shouldn't be thinking oh they rode together and they're best friends and they're going to denny's afterwards uh drake frost is my best friend and we're a tag team in half the companies in northern california and we're bitter rivals in the other half of the company (laughs) companies and even the fans who've seen us do both don't have issues with it they're not like well they were teaming up last night how many times can you guys do this in one week do you do it more than i had nine shows last month it's hard because nobody runs monday tuesday wednesday or thursday yeah so i've had days where I've, i've done two in a day probably the worst and i don't remember who was there because my memory is atrocious but uh a record store in sacramento was having an anniversary show and uh, they set up a stage and we set up the ring and it was in august so it was 108 degrees and i think i wrestled eight matches on that day and literally what we did was all the wrestlers got together and everyone kept wrestling until they couldn't anymore (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean and they would just start yeah, going it's, home. It's, it's a grueling passion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's like, very hard on the body. Were there without the transfusions in the back? Or, I mean, you no, guys we were just in a U-Haul. Like, even, like, the, yeah. the locker was a U-Haul, and there was a liquor <laughs> store that we just kept going to get Gatorade. <laughs> so, do you bleed every match? No. Uh, especially nowadays. Like, I personally, I tend to get hit a lot. So, in the last three months, I've bled in maybe three matches yeah. or my nose was busted open. Yeah, right. That's what I'm talking about. I got about. kicked yeah. in the face and it split my eye. Yes. And everyone thought I was losing my eye, but it was actually just a tiny cut. But because I kept blinking, the blood made it look like I had a giant hole in my head <laughs> and people were panicking. And I'm like, no, I'm. I'm okay. No, no really. You got to go to the hospital. You got to get, you know, you got to get that super glued. And I'm like, no, I'm. You know, I th- I think I'm good. I've got Elmer's. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. I don't think that works as well. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Hey, Scoo, do you have any thoughts on this whole subject? I didn't grow up in a wrestling family. Nobody in my family ever watched wrestling, except for this one time. Uh, my grandfather, when I was about seven years old, got the idea to take me to Arco Arena at the time for a WWE house show. And uh, I remember I saw the hurricane. And when I saw the hurricane, <laughs> I was so ecstatic about it. It was just amazing. He was my superhero. And from that point, I remember the feeling it gave me. It's just like, wow, this is amazing. And then from that point, I just got, I got hooked. So what is the timing for a regular match? How many minutes are we looking at per, per match? For, it, it obviously depends on the situation, but for our level, the independent wrestling scene, 8 to 10 seems to be the standard. Yeah. The answer that the promoter will give you if he's given no thought to the question. Well, he's never given any thought. Yeah, okay, it's, it's Frost versus Scoot. How long do you want? Uh, 8 to 10. That cool. is, yeah. And sometimes they'll be shorter, but it's hard to go shorter because we, we don't get paid very well at all. So like with SPW, I want to make sure that every wrestler who took his Sunday off and we have a crew that comes from Reno and a crew from the Bay Area, Absolutely. I want to make sure that they get enough time in the ring to where they're glad they were there. Yeah, That's always my goal with the fan, the wrestler, anyone involved. I want them leaving glad that on that Sunday they came and participated. So I hate, like I know as a promoter, if I take a day off and drive for two hours on the promo is like okay you got four minutes right. i can't even break a sweat yeah, in four drove, minutes yeah, do four minutes how do you tell a story in four minutes yeah exactly yeah. you don't I mean, and that's what each match is it's a story yeah. the wwe they assume if you're there you know everything you need to know mm-hmm. whereas at our level we like to assume that you know nothing we're not going to pretend oh i was a bad guy last month they hated me so they're going to hate me every time i walk the aisle whether i'm a good guy or a bad guy i'm going to act like they've never seen me never heard the name Sir Samurai, and it is my job to get them to hate my guts Mm -hmm. or love me before I even touch my opponent. And the WWE doesn't have that focus. What have you found greatest success in in terms of uh, eliciting a positive or negative reaction from the crowd? If you're trying to be a heel or a bad guy, uh, I mean, for me, I try and look as intimidating as possible. I try and look as scary as possible. And you're you're kind of a bigger guy. Yeah, so I mean, that I mean I'm, that, I'm, I'm six assuming. three. You know, I'm about three hundred and twenty pounds. 
so yeah, I mean, I use my size. If you're smaller than me, you know, I'm pretty much, you know, one of the bigger people in most rings, you know, compared to like the fans. So you intimidate them, you yell at them, you yell at the kids. I'm wrestling in Reno next month, and they don't know what the rival is. It's at a high school. I will be representing the other high school in Reno as soon as they figure out what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and they are teaching one of the football players for the local school how to throw a move so that he can beat me up to represent his school. Even though a month out, we have no idea what the school is. That's a great way to do it. Colors. That's why I've always or thought anything. if anybody were to ever take a chair to this man, Tom oh, Gaffey, yeah. <laughs> if it was a room full of Petaluma people, well, they'd be like, we, what? Yeah. <laughs> but let, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> not to give away spoilers. Yeah, not to give away spoilers, yeah. Me personally, and I don't know if these two would agree with me, I believe wrestling is all about creating the emotion uh, for the fans. And then that's what sells whatever story you're trying to put on. For me, as a heel, most of the time, I'm just a dick. Uh, I will talk so much smack. You insult mothers, you insult weight, you insult towns. <laughs> I insult everything possible. Anything to get a reaction from the crowd, that's what I do. Whether as a good guy or a bad guy, I want that reaction from the fans. What I always tell the students is pick what you want to be and be it. I've been the cocky heel. I've been the cowardly heel. I have probably the best luck being the clown. Um good guy, bad guy, and it's just you just have to commit. You're playing a role that night. The next night you can play a different role. You just have to have fun with it. And uh, I think the biggest success comes you can't be afraid to look stupid. You know, you can't be worried about, oh, what are they going to think? Because it's not you. It's, it's who you are for that eight to ten minutes. And there's a freedom in that, but some people can't commit to it, and they're not willing to go 110%. But if you can commit to it... Uh you get a lot of help from the audience, I noticed. Yeah, very much so. You know, I think it was the first time you brought a match in. Uh, the audience was getting what I thought was really brutal. So I thought, oh, my God, I wonder if I'm supposed to uh, let this go on. And I went back and asked you, "Is this? Do we? should I stop this? Go, no, no, that's part of it. We do yeah, it. Yeah, that's our goal. Wow, okay. Yeah. Have you guys ever experienced from friends or family, like, you know, people's opinions about wrestling? Do they not understand what you're doing? Have people, like, not been... You know, I don't want to say like you know, like not proud of you or anything, but I mean, does it ever come up where people they don't understand the you know life choice yeah. that you've made? When uh, I was talking about my eye that happened a couple months ago, when I went into work, uh, one of the waitresses was convinced that the black eye was makeup, and that the pictures of me covered in blood was all makeup, and that I had spent good money to convince everyone that wrestling was real. And even though I clearly had the mark on my eye refused to believe mm -hmm. that it was real because she's been taught that wrestling's fake. So thus there was no way I actually got kicked in the face. And, and I mean, it, that's gotta be upsetting. Yeah. Don't you think that, that people, I mean, that, that people like don't respect what you do. On a pretty consistent basis, my mother likes to ask me when I'm going to stop doing this. <laughs> How does that feel? Um, it, it, not great. I, um, I definitely, you know, my mom has been too, I think in the, Almost 10 years I've been doing this. She has been to one show in Sacramento. She watched half a match, and then she uh, she said she walked out to her car. She didn't want to watch it. Um, and I can't. I was can't. it your match, or did she leave during the first match? No, it was. It was during my. It was during one of my matches, and um, that she she said she watched about half of it, and then she you know she left. Uh, she left the building, and went to her car, and um, I, I I have really tried over the, like the years to try and figure out. Well, you know, does my mom not like the atmosphere? Does she, you know, um, what is it? Does she not like it because she's seeing her baby get hurt? I mean, what 
what you know does she not see or understand the 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 passion i have for wrestling and the joy it brings me doing it i still i still can't figure out what it is to this day that my that makes my mom detest it so much but um yeah it's it's always entertaining when you know like my little siblings you know my my little brothers and sisters will talk to me and you know they come to the shows and they love it and they want to take my photo with me and they you know they uh they enjoy it and they like watching me wrestle but yeah my mom just she hates it so every once in a while i'll be like oh how's work how's this are you gonna stop wrestling anytime soon when are you gonna when are you gonna stop doing this but that'd be when heartbreaking you, to me. When you could do something else with you. I, I'm doing what makes me happy right now and to the point I'm going to continue doing it until I can. I mean, that's a substantial disconnect on her part, and I'm not, I'm not judging her, but I mean, it's a thing that brings you the most joy in life, right? Many times in my life at you know, the fork in the road, I've chose wrestling over lots of other things um, because wrestling, no matter what, wrestling brings me joy and happiness. I would take my worst wrestling experience and still choose that over other experiences I've had in life because just wrestling, being in it, being immersed in it, being at shows, being around people who are brothers and sisters and who are a greater extended family to me, I am so much happier there than I am, you know, in most other times of my real life. And it kind of goes with uh, what Drake was saying about the times he's chosen and, and uh, to do wrestling in his life than other things. One of the ways I try to explain uh, the value of the performances that these guys do to friends of mine who are mostly musicians is I try to create the parallel for them to independent musicians, where usually the guys who are in bands, they choose jobs that they know that they can get time off from to go on tour or you know, to you know, do the shows that they need to do. Like They pass up career opportunities. They you know, are working in clubs for no money. They just want to play. They're trying to get their music out there, doing the drives to play shows out of town, also for no money at their expense. And just like, you know, doing it sometimes for the dream that they're going to get signed, which is the, the same thing that I think wrestlers are doing, that, you know, you want to get picked up by like one of the big companies that can pay well, or just doing it because you, it's, you can't help doing it. It's what you love and you want to do it while you still can. Because I think like kind of with wrestling probably and, you know, music, there may be a time like where you just, you know, you can't make that choice in your life anymore to keep doing it. And I think that that does help a lot of the people I'm talking to understand the art and performance of it because like it's putting it in terms that they understand. And that there's a lot of sacrifice just to be in this because like if wrestling shows only happen on weekends, you have to choose jobs that let you get the time off that you need or... Well, to your point, wrestling has been sort of branded as a dirty word, even by the biggest organization in the country. I mean, they they call it sports entertainment, or at least they made that shift. And I don't think wrestling should be a dirty word. I don't think there's any shame in saying, not performers, but saying wrestlers. Yeah. At our level, we consider ourselves wrestlers. I mean, we are performers, so we're not going to get insulted at that term. But yeah, in the WWE, they're not allowed to say wrestler. They are superstars. Or if they're a woman, they're divas. Or they're entertainers. Or they're entertainers. So they can go the entertainer route. Yeah. Yes. Well, they've they've chosen intentionally to go that way. It allows them to get around a lot of, like, uh, local government. You know, if they're a sporting event, they have to pay the athletic commissions and they have to do this. But if it's entertainment, then it's just entertainment. Let's talk a little bit about SPW. Samurai, you you organize SPW, is that correct? Yeah. And your role is... Again, wait, SPW stands for... Supreme Pro Wrestling. Yes. I do a little bit of everything. I drive the U-Haul, organize the shows. We're really lucky the venue we have, we are the third Sunday of every month, so I don't need to worry about booking dates. And we've been that for nine years now. I took over the company from my trainer in 2000 and... Was it nine that he quit? I believe it was 09 when he stepped down. Yeah, and uh, 
I was just one of the wrestlers and I took over ownership because he didn't want to do it anymore. But SPW was too important to me to see it go away. I'm the owner in that if something bad happens, it's on me. But it takes about 30 of us to keep SPW alive. My ex-girlfriend takes care of all the merch and the money at the front door. She goes to Costco the day before the show. And it's very much a group effort. I, so I guess I'm the organizer. Okay. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. So you, you book the wrestlers? Yes, I, I book the wrestlers. Right now I have a guy who actually writes out the shows for me. He was one of my trainers who moved to Chicago and he's moved back. So I let him deal with that. But then he sends me the shows and I edit them and fix them if I don't like what he has going on or say he's forgotten to put someone on or somebody's out of town. So I have the final, the final edit, I guess you'd say. And then also I wrestle on the shows. Obviously, this is a monumental amount of time yeah. to do this. Yeah. And on top of it, of course, you work a job you referenced earlier. I work, uh, basically, I wait tables every single night that I'm not doing something with wrestling. They give me the freedom because I've been there so long. Uh, Saturday night, I'll be wrestling so I don't have to work type thing. But I don't have nights off. How long have you been wrestling? What was the year you started? Uh, 2003 was my first match. I started mm-hmm. at the end of 2002. You didn't start when you were in your teens No, I was 29 when I started training. That's, that's so and great. The thing I have that I don't think many other people have that I can say with pride is since my first match, or since uh, November of 2003, I've wrestled every single calendar month. I've never missed a month. Uh, some months have only had one match. But, you know, so in November, I will hit 11 years having wrestled at least once a month. Okay, so you started that year, and how old are you again? I'm 41. You're 41. And then, Scoot, how old are you? I started training when I was eight years old. I started being put on shows when I was about 12. And then my first match was actually on a show. He asked how old you were. But that's good. I was that was going to so be my now, follow, that was going to be my follow up yeah. question. So now so answer that go. question. You still haven't <laughs> told him how old you so are. So you're still 14. No, I'm not 14. I'm 22 now. There we okay, go. Thanks, so you, but, but so you've been wrestling for you're, about almost 14 years. 14 years. Yeah. Okay, that's great. And then how old are you? Uh, I'm 30. You're 30. And you've been wrestling since? Uh, 2005, January 10th. All right. Look at that. So you're almost coming up on on 10 years here in another year. And you run a wrestling school too. Yes, SPW has a training academy as well as and that all three of us came up through the SPW. Uh, do all three of you instruct there as well? Or just uh, you? Drake does not do to school. Scoot is the head student. He's the one who demonstrates everything. Like if it was a dojo, he'd be the uh, the the guy. Okay, Scoot, now take him through bumps. Scoot, take him through this. Um, so he's like the assistant teacher. And it's me and uh, a guy named Jeff Cobb who wrestled in the Olympics in 2002. And then CJ Curse is the other. Like the three of us run it together. Would you be able to take us through like a day? Like if you were doing a show, like your day obviously doesn't start at... 8 p.m. when when the bell happens there's got to be a lot of prep in it yeah for for an spw show we meet at uh 9 30 load up the u-haul bring a- it to a.m a.m yeah sorry 9 30 uh load up the u-haul go to the venue set up we're usually set up by noon and then um because we're trying to build bridges and make things better we do an open training session that any wrestler in northern california is welcome to come join in oh, cool. so there's usually between 15 and 20 wrestlers they come from the bay area just to work out with us that goes till 3 30 and then doors are at 4.30. So right before the doors open, we have a quick meeting. No cussing. No doing this. Next show's on this day. You know, just the basics. And then, you know, the show. After the show, we put everything away. And then traditionally, we go to Denny's after the show. So get home midnight, 1 p.m. or 1 a.m. Yeah. So, so it's absolutely a whole day affair. A whole day yeah. affair, yeah. Have you had anybody from SPW go on or anybody uh, you've worked yeah. with gone on to the big leagues? Tonight, the WWE developmental territory is called NXT, and they're doing a live two-hour special on 
uh, the network. Two of our guys are refing on that. A guy named Brian Tannen is currently in NXT as a student, but has not yet made his debut. And then a guy named Ryan Drago, who wrestled here for Punk Slam for us, is in a tag team in NXT. Oh, is he the, really? He's in a tag team called the Vaudevillians. I think he was from Santa Rosa or yes. somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So there, there are success stories. And then Jeff Cobb, the Olympian, last week was in Florida for three days for a three-day tryout um, and just got back. So there are success stories even from our little neck of the woods. Okay, so the, just so people out there know, there, there's something called like feeder uh, leagues. Yeah. Is that correct? What there used to be now, it's they spent millions and millions of dollars and they built a giant building in Florida that has seven rings, a gym, and a television studio in it. They want everyone to come up in-house. How do you feel about that as a promoter yourself? The difference between what the three of us do and what has to happen on a live TV show in front of millions and millions of people, no one can go from where we are straight to there without practice. Yeah, there's cameras and there's guys with cameras, but there's a whole different if you have to get the money shot and you have to be in exact spot when they go to commercial and you have to look a certain way. So the best wrestlers in the world still have to be trained how to do it for world-class television so when you go to that facility in florida you're expected to have the basics down of wrestling and then this is training you for or is it both Both? it's both when uh jeff went to the camp two weeks ago they had a list and on the list it said athletes and indie wrestlers and the athletes were all former nfl players or college football players or weightlifters and they had different requirements of what they had to accomplish at the camp than what Jeff as a wrestler had to accomplish. It's different levels. So if Jeff gets signed and he'll find out in four to six weeks, he'll come in and he'll be in a certain class to work on what he needs to. But if they sign the former 49ers running back who has never wrestled a day in his life, the focus is different with him because they have to teach him how to run the ropes, how to bump and all the the basics. But they do that all in-house now. I mean, Josh, when you played in bands, I don't. You, you seem like a pretty level-headed guy, but certainly it would have been nice to be able to go on a nationwide Santiago tour. And uh, play I think a bunch Santiago was darn close. Yeah, well, I mean, you think about that. It, it, it's the thought that pops in every once in a while that, like, oh, you know, being on this stage, what would it be like for this? But it was never a serious. Like I never, I, I think I was always more realistic. You know, even when like, I was, you know, 14 and learning how to play drums. And playing barefooted. Yeah, and playing barefooted. I would, I would you know, I, I had it in my head, like, oh, wouldn't it be great to, like, you know, this band that I'm really into, like, you know, being their fill-in drummer or something. Like, you know, just, just some way for me to, to, like, get onto a big stage. But it was never, uh, I never actually believed that that would happen. But I think that I did eventually set goals that I thought were reasonable. Like, I can still achieve success in you know this endeavor if i just change what i think success is and for me success was like i mean i just want to be in a band that like does a tour and then we did that we we put out a bunch of records went out on tour and i feel like that was a perfect success and so I, i would actually like to know uh from the men at this table like have you achieved success like what like do you have goals are they the same goals that you had when you started when I started, as I said, I just wanted to, to wrestle. Yeah. And then I got that. So mm-hmm. then I wanted to wrestle more. Yeah. Now I wrestle every weekend. And now that I'm older, I know WWE is never going to hire a 41-year-old who looks like me mm-hmm. and is 5'9". Like, I know that. But I want SPW to be strong enough to where it can keep going. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's still alive and we're probably not going to go out of business this month. But it's always, if there was ever a show that no one showed up. I have no idea how I would pay for everything because <laughs> it's, you know what I mean? I need the ticket sales yes. to cover the building and all of that. So my dreams now are just to have SBW 
be a place where five years from now, Scoots and Developmental and WWTV mm-hmm. came from SBW. Like they keep having those success stories. You know, Timothy Thatcher's traveling the world and he start him and Drake start on the same day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I just want to keep, yeah. I want to keep that going and any chance I get to wrestle is a success. So yeah, I'd like to go elsewhere, not just be a NorCal guy. I'd love to get on an airplane and wrestle somewhere. I've never been out of the country, so I'd love to have to get a passport so I could wrestle in another country. But if I can just keep SPW alive and keep wrestling, then I've succeeded exponentially more than I ever fantasized I would be able to do in this business. Did you think that you would be a wrestler as a kid? Did it- no. Even when I was a rain announcer, when I say I just won one match, mm-hmm. I believed it. I didn't why would I believe in myself? I was a comic book nerd in high school. So even when I was ring announcing, I'm looking at these guys and I'm putting them up on this pedestal, mm-hmm. not even aware of the fact that that one's a teacher and that one's a waiter and that one's a janitor. That one lives off of welfare. In my head, they were, even when I was in the law room, they were professional wrestlers and I was privileged to be the ring announcer for them. And it wasn't until I started training that I was like, maybe, maybe I could do a match mm-hmm. someday. You know, and even I've wrestled five different people who have action figures because I'm an action <laughs> figure collector. When I was wrestling, I was like, someday I want to wrestle someone who was famous. And now I've wrestled a variety of people who at one point or another were a success in this business. Mm-hmm. And that's so bigger than anything that I'd ever yeah. fantasized about. I, yeah, I think that's so cool because you start accomplishing dreams that you never knew were dreams. Right. What about you guys? I mean... You're not an old man. I want to say that, but you're but you're right. WWE does have a certain type of uh, sure. look and age. Right. But you know, as as guys who are a little bit younger, do you still have those goals of entering into the WWE in some way, shape, or form? Be it through development or maybe even, God willing, a, in a wrestling role. For me, uh, absolutely. I still have you know dreams and aspirations of going to WWE and uh, or even just uh, making a living off wrestling, just to be able to wrestle and you know be paid enough to where all my bills would be covered every single month and i i kind of feel that wwe is the standard for wrestling because it is the biggest company for wrestling now that doesn't necessarily need to be where you want to go but if you don't want to be the best where you're at then there's not too much reason to put your body through the harshness that we do as a wrestler for me one of the biggest things i i want to see spw grow i want to be something similar to what samurai said i want to be able to be a big enough company i won't have a set building a set place we perform shows a few hundred people every single month you know i just want to get spw to a major company status and that's like a rising tide raises all ships sort of situation if the company does well then potentially that can help you and it can help your friends the more spw grows the more we grow as well what about you um, when I first started, I was like, oh yeah, I got to make it to WWE. Got to make it there. Got to make it there. And now, um, like Josh Drake said, you know, trying to be more realistic sometimes you're like, uh, I'm 30. Like if magical Christmas land, like, okay, what's the best you could get? If I could make it to WWE in some capacity or form, yes, I would love to be able to wrestle in WWE. Um, but if I could make it there as like, part of the ring crew you know if i could just work for the company and still be a part of it that would be great i also have a strong desire to um i'd like to make it to japan because over in japan it's still a sport and the regard that the people over there have for the wrestlers is second to none i mean it's like in japan and mexico it's still a sport is there a because you mentioned you know a rising tide raising all ships 
Does the health of WWE affect the indie circuit much? When the WWE, the Attitude Era was really hot, mm-hmm. indie wrestling was really hot. Mm-hmm. You would go to your Hot Topic or your mall and every other shirt would be NWO or Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. When wrestling's popular, not as many people crap on what the three of us do. <laughs> yeah. When wrestling's not popular and they're doing embarrassing things and you only hear about them because of you know suicides or awful things, then... People look at us and go, oh, you do that also? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if they you know, doubled their attendance, mm-hmm. I have no doubt it would trinkle down and benefit everyone in the business. In the music scene, oftentimes people who are in independent music, they think that like people on major labels are just disgusting. Like They hate big music. But uh, I think that um, the smarter way to think about it is like you know, the, the health of music overall helps everyone because... Yes. The last record store, I don't think, is paying their utility bill by selling uh, brown bags, seven inches. People who are going in there and paying the bills are the people who are buying the CDs that they hear on major radio. And so, like, you can't wish the industry to crumble because, you know, it's going to take everyone else with them. Yeah. It's, since you guys aren't, you know, having to sell your merch in the same venue as uh, major wrestling, it's not quite the same. But I was wondering if, you know, independent wrestlers thought that like WWE was dirty or if they want them to be really healthy because they know that it will. The smart independent wrestlers want everyone to thrive, mm-hmm. yep. you know, but we're human. So you will hear guys go, oh, I hope that company in Oakland goes out of business or I hope that <laughs> company there's 30 days in a month, 31 days in some months. I'm only wrestling five or six of them. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it benefits me at all if WWE's hurting or if indies are hurting. It's either wrestling's doing well and people are supporting us or they're not. Yeah, and that works in rock and roll. When when all the clubs are doing well, uh, everybody's doing well. Right, exactly. And and that's what we want to see. There's two companies that run in Sacramento right now, and some people think that SPW hates the other company. There's been rumors that I've torn down posters and that i've told people the shows aren't that's going on and all of that um and you're here to say it's true whether i was doing that or not i'm not the type (laughs) (laughs) i'm not the type of person to do it but on a good day we're drawing 80 they're drawing 80 sacramento has three million people in the sacramento area so the reality is whether that company draws 20 or 200 doesn't really impact spw as long as they're not running the same night you know yeah, what I mean? Right. It doesn't. Yes. It, in fact, if they could draw 200 regularly, I bet it would be easier for us to put butts in our seats. It yeah. would actually benefit yeah, us. Absolutely. So I don't understand because there's plenty of, oh, you know, you need to put that company out of business or they're going to put you. Why? We want people to go, oh, wrestling? Yeah, I like wrestling. I'll go check that out. And as yeah, I said, absolutely. three million. That I'm city could at, support too. Right. They could support yeah. quite a few. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There is this perception that if you make it to the big leagues, if you make it to WWE or TNA, your problems are over. WWE hires the wrestlers as independent contractors. Right. So they're not paying for their health insurance. Right. There's not workers' compensation. A lot of cases, they're not paying for travel expenses. Correct. They're Only. Not, they pay for wow. travel if it's overseas. And as independent contractors, uh, money's not going to Medicare for them. Money's not going to Social Security for them. There's no pension if you're a wrestler in WWE. So this is and very... the worst one that gets them is there's no taxes taken out. Exactly. You have to organize it yourself and know how much you're going to owe. Yeah. And so it's, That's the way it is for rock and roll bands, actually. It is, but see, rock and roll bands, and not to say that one is better than the other, but yeah. these guys are out there killing themselves every That's night. That's true. I mean, a rock and roll guy, if he potentially... He could do that for the rest of his life. A wrestler, I mean, it's pretty tough if you're going out there 300 plus days a year, which a lot of these guys are doing. It's a good overlap, I think, because a lot of young musicians think, well, if I get signed, then my problems are over. I'm going to be financially set and everything's going to be great. 
and it's not that way in music, and it's not that way in WWE. And I just think it's interesting for people to know that. Yeah, I think there's a real problem with the way uh, national wrestlers are treated. I mean, I think there's a problem with the way indie wrestlers are treated too. But national wrestlers, I mean, they're kind of they're kind of like show horses. They're kind of like pieces of meat, or at least they're treated that way. Like if you make it onto the WWE roster, they're not guaranteed that they're going to be there long. Like the crowds do have to. They have over, they have to catch on. They have over a hundred wrestlers in their developmental territory, mm-hmm. of which. 11 are wrestling on their live special tonight most of the other 100 have never been on tv and Mm -hmm. may never be on tv that's brian our drake's former tag team partner and uh one of our students at spw he uh there's a wrestler who comes out with sort of a rave gimmick and a bunch of wrestlers follow him in silly costumes (laughs) that's all brian has done so far that's great that's better than working at applebee's Mm -hmm. but he didn't go to the wwe to be the guy in the overalls and a red white and blue helmet he's hoping to wrestle yeah and there's so many that'll never make it to monday night raw Mm -hmm. and they might be there for years and every time their phone rings is this the promotion or the fire is this the promotion or the fire (laughs) the one thing that i noticed uh, the way this probably humans treat the people that entertain them that actually work really hard and put a lot of their life into it and most of them do it not expecting to reach that top if they can that's great and there is that goal but when you look at the numbers that do make that it's very small so these are people that are doing this for the love of what they're doing and i we're sitting here with with four people that actually because josh drake is is uh, one of the matches here you got to ref and that was such an exciting tremendous for you it was yeah. tremendous i, was, I have a picture of it i still have the shirt that's why we do it. For me, the high of playing in front of a crowd that, that digs what I'm doing, uh, it can be, like I say, one of my greatest nights performing was at Malarkey's in Sacramento. It was a dive bar extraordinaire, and there was only one very drunk woman in the audience that night. And honest to God, that was one of the best shows I ever played. And it was such a high to be able to do it. And, and that's what you guys are doing with the wrestling. This is what it's all about. And uh, it's the love of the art. Is there anything that you wish that people knew about wrestling? Like, like if you if you could put a message into people's minds about wrestling, like, what do you wish that either your friends, family, or just the general public knew about wrestling? My answer to that would be uh, nothing is impossible. Drake, Scoot, and I are the average just guys but the things that we've gotten to do and done because of each other the God, places we've true. gone and the things that we've done yes and me who i never believed i could wrestle nothing's impossible and too many i think too much of people in our country believe everything's impossible mm-hmm. and if you go to walmart and i single out walmart because it's in the same parking lot as my job but if you look at those people i would argue that 90 percent of them don't even have a dream or a goal like they've given up on whatever they fantasized about. And yeah, not all of us can be president of the United States or be Hulk Hogan, but happiness is out there. You just have to be willing to fight for it. And you have to, you know what I mean? And I just, and if you come to a show, even if you know nothing about wrestling, you're going to see 18 to, I, I use too many wrestlers. So 30 guys who truly are happy and loving what they're doing even if they don't know how they're going to pay rent that month or they just fought with their girlfriend or anything that's going on in real life during a show, you will see people who are as happy as they can be. And at least with our product, none of us are drunk. None of us are on any illegal substances, not to say that people don't party afterwards, but we are truly just loving the moment that we are in. And I think too many people have lost or never even seen that such a thing is possible and you don't have to wrestle to do it. You know, you just have to find something that, makes you yeah. 
makes you get out of bed in the morning. And pulls your passion out. Yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. But I think your answer is a good one because it shows the wrestling can be a force for good. Yeah. And it doesn't have to feature the native connotations that some people have. So if somebody can buy a ticket to an event, SPW, or if we do it here at the Phoenix, uh, you can come and you can experience people who are experiencing that. And then maybe by default, it'll be contagious. Absolutely. You can escape into the... It it is an event that you absolutely can escape into and and, uh, lose uh, what may be on your mind for a couple hours. Exactly. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And that's what we all we all remind each other when things are bad. No matter what's going on, you leave it outside. When yeah. you show when it's show day, you leave it outside because it'll wait for you. Whatever whatever your issues <laughs> yeah, are, they'll happily hang out outside. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. when you're there, enjoy the moment. Be happy enjoy to be the there. Moment. And the fans should be the same way. They should yeah. look forward to what they're about to see. And if we're yeah, doing our job well, they will forget about yeah. whatever crap is on CNN right now. You know, at least for a brief period. I would add that uh, I, I have a feeling that uh, uh, Jim and Josh Drake are going to probably put together a wrestling match at the Phoenix, and I wish you would come and see it, because seeing it live is, is where you finally realize, wow, this is an incredible fun time. Really, I don't know, and you can cut it if it doesn't belong in here, <laughs> but when they put the wood down on the uh, ring, and then they cover it up and they finish the ring, and you understand why the wood is there. It gives it a little bit of bounce, but it also gives it that glorious wooden sound. When people are slamming down onto it, that sound is incredible, which is one of the reasons I like our skate ramps here at the Phoenix so much. The sound of wheels on the wood is an incredible sound, and it's the same with your uh, rings. Those things are incredible things to be around and feel and watch be used. It's It absolutely took me away. And, uh, yeah, come and see. Honest to God. I just wanted to say that I have a lot of admiration and respect for what you guys do. And I, I assume that the other two non-wrestlers here feel the same oh, way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was sold. Y- y- you guys are heroes for doing, like, what I kind of wish I was doing. But since I'm not doing it, I'm glad you guys are doing it for me. And it's, uh, it's great. And, you, you know, if us. you're a listener out there, my goodness, uh, you're in Sacramento. Uh, when should they? Sacramento is the third Sunday of every month. But regardless of what city you live in, there's probably a local wrestling company. And they're probably made up of some, some good, hungry young guys. Yeah. Go out check it out. Well, we appreciate you guys making the drive to be on the show. We thank you for what you're doing, and we say keep up the good work. So, been an awful lot of fun tonight. Thank you for coming. Oh, we, we appreciate Thanks the opportunity. For oh, no. yeah. Thanks for coming, guys. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you for having us.